0: Well, good morning. Welcome to each and every one of you. We have had a full week here at Calvary and a full weekend. Uh, you heard about it and you're going to get to see a little bit more about it. Our students, welcome students. Good morning. How are you doing? You awake? Yeah, well, there you see. They, they've they had a full weekend. They're not fully awake. But we, we launched out and we did Disciple Now this weekend in the face of everything else. And I'm going to tell you, you're in for a treat because there are some stories of eternal life change in the hearts of some of our students. Plus, you all were encouraged in your faith. And I can't wait in just a moment as Pastor Noah comes and shares a little bit about this weekend and and continues in our study of what it means to bloom. Now, speaking of bloom, you all received something when you walked through the door today. So I want you to pull out your packet that you received because we have an Easter challenge for you. Easter is April 17th. April 17th. Easter is always a big deal at Calvary. Always. Because it's one of those days where you as a believer get to celebrate what makes your Savior different than anyone else, any other religion, any other philosophical thought, or any other way to God. Anybody can die. Anybody can die for their cause. Anybody can die for a good cause. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, rose from the dead, and there's none like Him. We're going to celebrate that Easter Sunday in a big way, but here's the other thing. As April the 17th comes closer, there is a reality that more than any other time other than Christmas, Easter is the time where if you invite a friend, an acquaintance, a relative, a neighbor to church... They're probably going to give you an audience. And so we want to prepare you, Calvary family, for the Easter challenge. Go ahead first of all. And your Easter challenge are listed on your bloom card. So you see that. And on the back, as you have this information, I want you to see what we've done for you. There are four steps for you this Easter to be able to ask God to help you bloom in your faith. And the first one is a very simple tangible way you've received a packet of seeds there you see that now these seeds you plant them and they will turn into something you don't have to have a great green thumb to be able to do that right a little bit of dirt a little bit of water and watch what happens and I want to encourage you um, everybody received one some of you gentlemen you're going ah, this is going to die before it even comes up right Well, you might have to ask um, your wife or, or your daughter to help you figure out how to do that, right? Some of you are going, no problem. I'm a farmer at heart and I can make this happen. I get it. But we want you to see something good. The whole season of life since we started the Bloom series is to teach us how do we bloom in our faith. And one of the ways that you bloom in your faith is you recognize when God gives life. And just a simple reminder of something good. A flower coming to life, a seed coming into something else, something beautiful, something life-giving will be a blessing to you and perhaps to someone else around you. So that's just a simple way because that little process is exactly what it takes in your life. You have to plant a seed of faith, trust the Lord, put it in the right soil of your heart, and something good will happen in your life by faith. And one of the second ways that you can do that is you have received an Easter invite card. So the second part of our Easter challenge is you've, been, you've received, you've been given one Easter invite card. Now I get it. Some of you will go, Pastor, I need 35 of these, right? I understand that. But start with one. Usually it's one sincere, honest conversation with someone in our life about the Lord about church, look, figure out a way to use the opportunities that God has placed in your life, the networks, the relationships, the jobs, the extracurriculars, and find one person that you can share that, hey, I would like for you to be my guest on Easter. It might open up a door for you to talk with them about your relationship with Jesus. And if there's one thing that I can tell you, the reason this is important, I guarantee you The reason most churches and most Christians have struggled the last two years is that they've talked about everything else in the world but Jesus. Because we've been afraid to breathe on people or to breathe ourselves or to socialize with people. You know what's happened? As a result, most people in church and Christians have stopped sharing their faith with someone else. Let me tell you something. If you want to bloom, you got to come out of a season where everything is dry, dark, and dead and allow God to speak to your heart where you get back into action as a child of Jesus Christ. Amen? And on this card, by the way, there are a couple of things that I want you to notice. First of all, we have a family day. That's for you and for your friends. An Easter fest here at Calvary. And you'll look on there April the 9th. That's a Saturday. That's the Saturday not before Easter, but the weekend prior. And what we're hoping for you is that you can invite them, family, friends, your neighbors. They'll come, they'll drop in, they'll have a good time with you as the church family. And then the next Sunday it will open the door for you to invite them and bring them back to church Easter at Calvary. That's step two. Step three of your Easter challenge. Not only is the reality of people But coming to a point in the last couple of years where, okay, I'm not sure who to talk to and I'm going to isolate and I'm going to shut down and therefore not talk about the Lord. The only way, and we talked about this in this series, that you and I can grow in our faith is to be in God's word. It's the only way that you and I can grow in our faith. You cannot grow as a Christian if you're not planted in the right soil, getting the right kind of nutrients to support your faith journey. And so we want to help you with one of the verses, just one. We, we said the Easter challenge, let's, let us let it be something where everybody can do it. One of the verses that was an anchor verse in our study of 1 Peter is written on your Bloom Challenge card. You see it right there, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Look at it with me. It says, and coming to him, who's him? Jesus. As to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now some of you are going, I don't even know if I can memorize that. Well you got from now to Easter. Easter you got four weeks, right? I think you can memorize a little piece that we've studied through our series in 1 Peter and 2 Peter. Take that verse, plant it in your heart, and watch what God will do with your faith. That's step three. And then step four. Whoa, Pastor, man. Easter challenge. There's a lot of action steps here. That's right, because we want to move out of the past, and we want to move into the future as a church, as a family of faith. As children of God through Jesus, step four in the Easter challenge is to take action. If you back up to when we started the series on bloom, the number one principle for you to bloom in your life is you have to choose to bloom where you are planted. A lot of people were living for a couple of years, right? Let's get past this. Or when everything lines up, then I'll get right with God. Then I'll move forward. And a lot of people are still waiting, still sitting on go, still paralyzed, still fearful. The way that you move forward is you have to take action. And so to bloom where you're planted, we want everyone in the family to do this. If you look before you leave today, some of you on this side can look across the room. Some of you behind, don't look behind you because it's going to be awkward. You're going to be like looking over your shoulder and turning around But we have our bloom where you are planted walls. And there are cards on the tables all back here. And somewhere during the Easter season, you don't have to rush and do it today. But somewhere in all of the Sundays leading up to Easter, we want you to grab a card. We want you to ask yourself the question and pray about this. God, where in my life am I willing to commit to bloom in my faith? Action step not just talking about it, not just planting a seed, not just receiving a card, not just memorizing Scripture. God, this year, this year, right now, I'm asking you and I'm talking with you and I'm praying to you, I want to bloom in my faith by and fill out the card and put it on the bloom wall. And we as a church throughout this season are going to watch all of our family and our friends have a commitment to God to grow in our faith and move forward this year. Amen? There's your Easter challenge. Are you ready to bloom? Now listen, I'm excited about it because these are practical, very simple steps that you as a follower of Jesus, a child of God, can take in your life to begin to grow in the future, in the days ahead. But as a church family, that's what this entire season of life has been about. Monday night, we hosted the pastors of the New Orleans Baptist Association here. I'm going to tell you, it was a phenomenal night. Your praise team did an awesome job, right? We've got opportunities with Calvary Baptist School this weekend. Students, awesome. It was all about them growing in their faith. Church family, I want us to celebrate what God's doing by recognizing our students. Students, can we just recognize you for a minute? Hey, family, can we just say thank God? Who, by the way... Of the New Orleans Metro Disciple Now, your church took the most students to hear about the Lord, by the way. That's huge. That's huge. We are going to continue to encourage you and move forward in our faith because that's what we do. That's how you bust through all this funk. That's how you bloom. Amen? With that, I want you to see some good stuff. So draw your attention to the screens because we're going to celebrate some of the things that God did this weekend at Disciple Now for our students.
1: What it means to be all in in my faith is, um, you know, you're not ashamed of like to tell people about God, and you're not uh, hiding it from other people, no matter who they are. It could be a random stranger, it could be a friend that you're just open with everybody, and you're all in for God. Have the confidence to not be afraid to be truthful about it, strangers to people you know, more, more often, to, to be 100% all the time, never inconsistent.
0: What it means is that, like, you should start spreading the Gospel and that you should start spreading the Word because not that many people know about who God is and who Jesus is, and you should start to spreading the Word. Jesus, here on earth, tells the disciples and everybody there that we're all going to face oppression sometime in our life. And so, like, in that, we need to know that we also don't need to be faced either, that whatever knocks us down, we have to get back up and keep spreading the Word of God. Means to have integrity and to be confident. Um, Integrity meaning to do the right thing when no one's watching, or like when the people around you are doing the right thing. You have to remember like that you're in the image of Jesus. Um, To be confident, to me, is to you know always identify as a Christian. If you see that people don't know Jesus, ask them about Jesus and try to get more people to believe in him.
1: Yeah, we can... We can for sure praise God for that. It's so amazing to see the testimonies of our students and how they're growing in their faith and learning what it means to be all in for Jesus. I love, love that video and that testimony. Um, we had an awesome weekend at D-NOW. I'm Pastor Noah, the student pastor here, and we had such a great time. We had 35 students. We had 11 leaders and so many people who donated things and helped and prayed. And I just want to say a big thank you. So can we um, just praise God and say thank you to everyone who helped with D-NOW this weekend. And um, one, of, one of my favorite things always to let you guys know about is what God's doing in our student ministry. And, um, man, I had the privilege to watch two of our leaders lead someone to Christ this weekend, one of our students. Isn't that awesome, man? Last night we had four students say they want to get baptized and take that step in their faith. Can we praise God for that? That's, um, that's why we do what we do these stories of life change, these stories of um, students learning what it means to be all in on their faith. And um, I'm excited that we got to share that with you guys this weekend. Uh, today, we're going to continue in our Bloom series. And today is great because we jump from 1 Peter to 2 Peter. We're going to start looking at it. So if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bible to 2 Peter, the first chapter, we're going to get the book of 2 Peter started. And this is a great book. And it's a great book in some ways because of the reason why Peter wanted to write this. So, time has passed, and Peter is really writing this knowing that he only has a short time left on the earth. And when you only have a short time left on the earth, you say things that are very important and very meaningful. I believe that. And so, Peter has this moment to talk to some of his people, maybe for one of the last times, and he recognizes that in these verses. And he calls them to do some very important things, and I think it's going to be valuable. For each one of us to hear what he had to say to these different churches. And so we're going to read together in Second Peter chapter 1, verse number 1 through verse number 15. So let's read together. Here's what it says. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. "...seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust." Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence... And in your moral excellence, knowledge, in your knowledge, self control, in your self control, perseverance, in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you as long as you practice these things you will never stumble for in the way the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our lord and savior jesus christ will be abundantly supplied to you therefore i will always be ready to remind you of these things even though you already know them and have been established in them the truth which is present with you i consider it right as long as i'm in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder knowing That the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this passage and how it speaks in a powerful way to our lives. I pray that today each of us would be committed to growing in our faith, to blooming, to moving forward so that we see you do amazing things in our lives. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. What a great passage of Scripture that we have before us today. Um, Peter in this passage really wants us to do one kind of main thing, one kind of main idea. He wants us to grow. Can everybody say grow? He wants us to grow in our faith. And, And more than that, because growth doesn't just happen by accident. He wants us to commit to grow, to decide that we want to grow. We don't grow by accident. We drift by accident. He wants us to commit to grow. And it's so important first that we, uh, when we think about what it means to grow, that we realize an important truth about Jesus. And that's what he talks about in these first few verses. He tells us this, by the power of Jesus, by his power, Jesus has given us everything we need to live for him. Isn't that good? Jesus has given us everything we need to live for him. He hasn't held anything back. And and so when we feel like, I don't know if I can really live the Christian faith, I don't know if I can do this or that, we can know based on these verses that he's given us everything. Verse 3, his divine power is granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. And so the first thing we're going to talk about in this is this. God has given us everything we need by his power and through the power of Jesus. We serve a powerful God. Jesus is powerful. He can break chains. He can do amazing things. We've seen that so many times over and over and over again. But what I want you to know is God is powerful, and he can be powerful in your life. Not just the stories of the Bible. Not just the stories of someone else. God can be powerful in your life and do amazing, amazing things. Sometimes we get a a little worried that we, we can't really live out our faith like Jesus really wants us to. Um, but the reality is, I, I want to give you illustration to talk about this and what what Jesus' power really means. Imagine you got a call tomorrow. So phone rings, you pick it up, you hear a voice. They say, "Hey, I have a job opportunity for you." You go, "Okay, great. I didn't apply for it, but what's this job opportunity?" And they say, "I want you to become the new quarterbacks coach for the New Orleans Saints." Now, what are you gonna say? And we have some people who during the games, you know, you're calling the plays and you're talking about how bad <laughs> maybe people are doing it. So maybe you're excited. Maybe you're like, oh, yeah, I absolutely will do that. For, for most of us, though, we would say hmm, <laughs> that uh, that's probably a tough job, isn't it? I mean, for most of us who don't have that kind of background, wouldn't that be a hard job to walk into? Wouldn't there be a lot of pressure there? What would your family think, uh, you know, if you were the quarterback's coach for the Saints and they start doing bad? Would you start getting it at, at family gatherings and stuff like that? people in your life yeah there's a lot of pressure associated with that and if i got that call i would immediately have to say no because i i don't know how to be the quarterbacks coach of a nfl team but what if right after you got off the phone you said okay i guess i'll think about it you got another call and the person on the other end of the line was drew Brees, and drew Brees said hey i want you to take that job and and guess what i'm going to be the co-coach with you and i'm going to be with you every step of the way i'm going to get you through it and it's going to be awesome It doesn't mean that the pressure goes away. It doesn't mean that the job will be easier. But you would have someone in your corner who knows how to do the job. And the truth in the Christian life is this. It's not about what you can do. It's about who you have in your corner. We have Jesus in our corner. And and some of us, when we think about growth and how do I grow in my faith, what we do is when we get saved, we say, Jesus, I can't save myself. You have to save me. I trust you in faith. I need you to forgive me of my sins. We talk about him forgiving us a lot. But when we talk about growing in our faith and doing what he wants us to do, we talk about us a lot. My own power. The things that I can accomplish by my own skills and things like that. And the reality is, you need Jesus today just as much as you did the day that he saved you. To move forward in your faith. To get through the day. You need Jesus today, right now. More than ever it's not about what you can do. It's about who you have in your corner And we see from this passage. We can grow in our lives. We can grow in our faith Why because jesus is in our corner and he says he is with us. It makes me think about matthew 28:19 and 20 a very important and famous passage of scripture. It says go therefore Make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And Jesus is telling his disciples this. There's another phrase there. We'll get there in just a second. But if you were the disciple and you just heard that, what would you think? Jesus told people who have never left Israel, I want you to go to every country in the world. I want you to go to every people group and make disciples there. These guys have never even left left Israel. What do you think goes through their mind? Jesus, that's an impossible task. But you know what he says at the end? And no, I am with you even to the end of the age. It's not about your power. It's not about your abilities. It's about who's in your corner. And Jesus is in your corner. So know that today, as we talk about growth, it's not something you have to do in your own power. We grow by the power of God. And Jesus has given us everything that we need to live for him. So, so remember that today. Um, the second thing, by his power, Jesus has given us everything to live for him by his promises. Man, God has given us some great promises in Scripture, hasn't he? I mean, when I, when I begin to think about that, I think about First 1 John 1, nine. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Is that a good promise? When we ask for forgiveness, God forgives us. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, and then what happened? The Holy Spirit came, and now upon salvation, we receive God's Spirit. Jesus lives within us. And as we go throughout our life, He is with us. I think that's a a great promise from the Word. We have the promise of eternal life. You know, when we have people who die in our family who who know Jesus, we don't grieve like people who don't have hope. Why? Because we know where they are. And we don't have to worry about about death. Why? Because we know where we're going. Jesus has given us some amazing promises. And so it's important here. He talks about um, in verse number 3. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. He talks about this knowledge component of our faith. We have to remind ourselves of the promises of God every day. It's important. Because if we don't, we we forget and we drift and we don't think about His promises in our lives. But the truth is, God has given us some amazing, amazing promises. And ultimately, it's by knowing Him and being in a relationship with Him that we learn what it looks like to really and truly live out our faith. I want you to know, based on these first few verses, that Jesus is with you. You may say right now, I'm not really growing in my faith. I haven't grown in a while. I got saved, but maybe I've just been kind of sitting. And I haven't really been growing in a very real way. Know this, Jesus is with you. You don't have to do it alone. You can do it in his power and in his strength. And you can see over time how he moves you forward and helps you to grow in your faith in a very real way. The second thing we'll get to is this, and this is kind of the main thrust of the passage. We're going to read verses 5 through 7 one more time. Verse 5 says this, Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. Now I'll stop right there, and what these verses and these next couple verses tell us is this. We've been commanded... To commit to grow We've been commanded to commit to grow. We said at the beginning you don't grow by accident accident You don't grow in your faith by accident But we've been commanded to commit that we are going to grow And so let's talk about that a little bit here The first thing he says is this now for this very reason also applying all diligence now, what does that phrase mean? It means giving your best Now, what do you give your best to? your best time, your best resources, your best energy level? What do you give your best to? What Peter says is if you want to grow in your faith in a very real way, you have to give your best to the Lord. You have to give your best to this idea of growing in your faith. Whenever we're raising kids, and I I love all these kids right here, um, whenever we're talking about life, we tell them, give your best in school. We tell them, give your best in athletics. We tell them, give your best in All kinds of different things. Do we tell them to give their best in their faith? Do we prompt them and ask them and plead with them, give your best for Jesus? Because Jesus deserves it. He saved us. He's made us new. Jesus deserves it. In our own lives, do we give our best to our job or do we give our best to Jesus? And I'm not saying they don't work together because um, part of doing your job is giving your best there so that you have a witness for Jesus. But the reality is, God wants us to give our best to him. Are you giving your best to him? So he starts, give your best in this idea of growing in your faith. And he continues and he says, in your faith, supply. It's this word, and he basically is talking about addition. You may not have talked about additions in school or anything like that, but he's saying, I want you to add these things to your life. You know, some things are good to add to your life, some things are bad to add to your life, right? Sometimes certain people in your life, you can add them to your life, and what happens? It's not a good thing. Sometimes you can add certain hobbies, different things, and it can be a good thing. The reality is he points out several things that we need to add to our life if we want to be a believer in Christ who's growing in their faith. And so let's talk about these things that he wants us to add to our faith. He says the first, moral excellence. So he's talking about the ability to do the right thing. And for all of us, it's important that we're always thinking about the ways that maybe we fail God in in the things that we do and the ways that we can get better. If you deal with a specific sin or or deal with not doing something that you should do, are you working on it? So one common one is reading your Bible. And we always talk about read your Bible, read your Bible over and over again. And there's a reason why we say it over and over again. What's the reason? It's important, right? (laughs) We, We say things over and over again because it's important. Are you working on having a consistent time with God every day? Doesn't mean you have to be perfect. Are you working on it? Are you working on prayer, becoming someone who prays more often and more earnestly? Are you working on sharing your faith or growing in the fruits of the Spirit or growing in the way that you help your family come to know Jesus? Are you moving forward? That's the big question today. Are you growing or are you staying still? Because when we stay still, we drift. It's just a fact of our faith. When we stay still, we drift. This weekend with our students, we talked about how we need to be all in. And when you're all in, you grow. When you're not all in, when you don't give your best to God, that's when we start to drift. And so he says, we need to add moral excellence. So when people look at our lives, we need to be examples. And we can't be perfect. We need to be examples they can look at and say, This is a person who is going after Christ and who is following him. And so, question, do the people in your life see enough Jesus in you, enough moral excellence in you that they understand who Jesus is and they understand what it looks like to live a righteous life? Are you a good example for the people around you? And that's not a question to beat you down. It's just a question for you to think about. Are you a good example for the people around you? That's the first one he says. We need to have moral excellence. The next thing we need to have is knowledge. There's so much to know about God, isn't there? And there's so much that we could never know. It. You know, John said, um, if all the stuff that Jesus did were written down, there wouldn't be enough books to contain it. And that's how I feel about knowing God. The more that we know about God, the more that we want to know about God. The more that we want to know about God, it's endless because of how great he is. Are you growing in your knowledge of who God is and in your faith? The next one is tough, self-control. Is there anybody in here who struggles with self-control? I was talking to somebody at Walmart the other day. We got some Oreos for d weekend, and she said, oh, man, don't bring those near me because I'll eat one, and then what happens? And we had a little conversation, especially if you aren't working for a day. Say it's a Saturday, and you're off, and you eat one here and there and here and there. You don't realize it, but how many do you eat? The whole thing, (laughs) maybe for you guys, (laughs) everybody else, maybe not the whole thing, but yes, (laughs) Uh, you you eat more than you realize if you don't have self-control. And in our faith, self-control is very important. It's very important that we are a self-controlled person who we can say yes to the right things, we can say no to the right things. We can move forward in a right way. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit, self-control. And we should be growing in that area. So where are you at in your self-control? And in your self-control, perseverance. What does perseverance mean? It means you stick it out. You keep going. Consistency. So how consistent are you in your faith? Are you consistently coming to church? Are you consistently reading God's Word? Are you consistently growing? Because that's what perseverance is all about. Um, We want you to endure as believers here at Calvary. We want to see you for a long, long time. We don't want you to get just saved and baptized and fall off the map. No, we want to see you grow and flourish in your life and grow and flourish in your faith. That's what I want to see for each one of these kids right here. I want to see a lifetime of following Jesus because of something that we started. Perseverance. And so are you persevering? Are you consistent in your faith? It's super important. And in your perseverance, godliness. Are you a person who's after God's own heart like David? Would you say you're a godly person? Do you truly at your core love God and look like him and want to look like him every single day, look more like him over and over and over again? Is that something that's on your heart? Because that's something that we need to add to our life. And to godliness, it talks about your brotherly kindness. So the way that we treat one another. How do you treat people? Would you say you treat other people in a kind way? And specifically, he's talking about brotherly kindness, and he's talking about in the church, how do you treat other people in the church? And it's kind of sad sometimes that we don't treat people in the church (laughs) as well as sometimes we treat people outside in life. I hate hearing stories about stuff like that, but the reality is we should be an example of the world how to love each other. We in this circle should join hands and say, hey, we love each other because we love Jesus, and we're for each other, and we want to see God's best in this church, and that's what I want, and that's what I hope that you want as well. But for any believer that you show brotherly kindness to them and you show kindness to other people throughout your life. And then one more: love. Do I need to say a whole lot there? Is that a quality that, that comes up whenever you describe yourself? Are you a loving person? Person who loves God, person who loves people? person who loves your family? I absolutely hope so. All of these qualities work together, right? Love, self-control, brotherly kindness, all of these things, they all work together. And I don't think it's an exhaustive list. I think there are more things that if Peter had like an endless letter that he could just write forever and ever and ever, he'd probably write some more things, right? And so it's not a blanket statement like, okay, you can take these, and this is the only thing we ever work on for our entire life. But it's a starting point, right? Starting point to say, we as believers need to commit that we are going to grow in our faith. Are you committed to that? Jesus saved you for a reason. He didn't save you just to sit in church. He saved you for a purpose. He has a plan for you here on this earth. If Jesus, our pastor says this, if if Jesus didn't have a plan for you, he would have saved you and done what? Taking you right up to heaven. But he didn't. Why? Why? He has a reason for where you're at right now. He has a plan. He has a purpose. And we need to walk in that purpose. We've been commanded to commit to grow. So are you committed, really committed, seriously, to grow in your faith? I want to give a couple um, caveats and I think helpful things that will help us as we think about this. One, it's progress, it's not perfection, okay? So I'm not expecting you to walk out of this church today and suddenly, wow, wow. <laughs> Every one of those qualities we talked about is exactly perfect and you're good for the rest of your life. Now that would be awesome, but what's the reality for most of us? Progress, not perfection. Are you growing in these things day by day by day by day? So really, as you think about it, I want you to think, what are some ways that I've grown in my faith over the last week? What are some ways I'm growing over the last month? What are some ways that I've grown in my faith over the last year? What are some ways that I've grown in my faith over the last five years? And, and I've heard that the older you get, the more you see God's hand on your life and how you've been growing all along. We need to remind ourselves of that so that we continue to commit to grow in the future. But it's not perfection, and we're never going to arrive <laughs> on this journey of faith. But it's progress. Are you moving forward? Next is this. Consistent growth, not occasional. Consistent growth, not occasional. One thing that in some ways infuriated me, but I love it now, um, about my dad, was on Saturday mornings, whenever I would, you know, I'd finish my school week, on Saturday mornings he would always get me up super early and say, hey, I got a job for you. Now, did anybody have parents like that in here? Did any of y'all currently have parents like that in here? I see some head nods, right? He would say, I got a job for you. And I'd say, oh man, I just want to sleep in, Right. My dad uh, is so great at growing things. Every year we'd have homemade tomatoes, and he grew jalapenos one time. He grew uh, strawberries. He grew a pineapple one time. That one took like three years, and it only gave one pineapple. So I don't know if that was really worth it. But he was great at growing things, and there was something he knew about when you grow things, and it's that you can't really take weeks off of growing things and taking care of them. Because if you take a bunch of time off, what happens? The weeds, they're going to take over over and over again if you want a garden that that works and grows and he had one you had to put consistent effort and consistent time in and that's something that i maybe didn't appreciate then that i appreciate now the lessons that i learned on those saturday mornings and the reality is true in our faith if we're consistent in our faith we will grow over time if we're inconsistent in our faith it's going to be very hard to grow if we take weeks off here or there i'm not really making it a priority it's just going to be hard to grow. It doesn't mean you're not a believer, but it's going to be really difficult to grow. And so I want to challenge you. Be consistent in your faith. In this Easter season, as, uh, as we really talk about this bloom challenge and we move forward, be consistent in coming to church, in reading your Bible, in prayer, in memorizing the Scripture. Be consistent because consistency over the long term gives you great growth and great rewards. And uh, here's the last thing in the section Who we are inspiring what we do. Who we are inspiring what we do. I don't necessarily want you to leave today and be like, okay, here's a big old list of stuff i got to start doing now. List of stuff, okay, Pastor Noah said this, 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 this. It's not about that. It's about the person that you are becoming in Christ and that inspiring you to live for Him. Here's the thing. If, If you don't grow as a person in love for God, if you don't grow and have a heart for him, then all these things, they can just be religious tradition. They can just be religious rituals, right? What we need is we need a heart after God. And so today, if you say, Pastor Noah, I haven't really grown for a while. I've been sitting, I've been stagnant in my faith. What I would challenge you to do first is don't make your list. What I would challenge you first to do is get before God and commit to him in your heart that you want to grow. And what happens then? Out of the heart is the wellspring of life. Out of the heart, your life begins to change. God wants to change your heart before he changes your actions. If he changes your heart, everything else is going to follow. And so today, if you go, Pastor Noah, I'm not growing in my faith. I would say today's the day to get before God and say, God, I need you to help me. God, I need you to inspire me and to change my heart and help me be a person who grows. And then, maybe a list after that. But, for now, (laughs) have a heart after God. Who we are before we do. So, you know, from this, I want to ask you um, two really pointed questions. One, are you committed in your faith? Like today, would you say yes or no? And the second is this. Do you give God your best, or do you give God your leftovers? Because if God is just with your leftovers, it's going to be hard to grow. (laughs) And so... We, we see in this second point that um, we've been commanded to commit to grow. It's not an option for believers. We've been called to do it, and so let's grow together. A third thing is this, and he talks about this in verses 8 through 15. Spiritual growth is what makes us effective in our faith. And isn't that what we want? We want to be effective in our jobs. We want to be effective at, in our families. We want to be effective in the things that we do in our life. If we want to be effective in our faith, then spiritual growth has to be a part of that. Without spiritual growth, we become unproductive and ineffective. Verse 8, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, so all those things we talked about, love, brotherly kindness, all those different ones that we talked about, and that's not an exhaustive list, but as those grow, so does our effectiveness. As who we are in Christ grows, we grow in effectiveness we're not unproductive, but we're fruitful believers in Christ. We start to see people change around us and ask us questions about faith. We start to see people come to know the Lord, maybe. We start to see our relationships change and the way that we treat other people really, really change and alter. We see things begin to happen, but without spiritual growth, we become unproductive. And this is really more of a warning to all of us. When we aren't growing, we look around and we get antsy. And we don't know why this is like it is. And we start to complain and we start to grumble about our family, about our church, about our job, about our life. If we're not growing, if we're not moving forward, if we're sitting still, we have time to really look around and say, mm, I don't like this. Mm, I don't like that. And that's not a great place to be. It's just not a great place to be. Because here's the thing you may be right. You may be right about something in your job. You may be right about something at your church. But is it productive? is it effective? Does it help anything? And the reality is it doesn't. What helps us be effective in our faith? Following Jesus and growing with him. And so it's a warning to say, we don't want to be unproductive. We want to be, we don't want to be ineffective. And so the challenge is continue to grow, continue to think about how you can grow in your faith, how you can grow in the fruit of the spirit, how you can grow and serve and love your family better, how you can grow And when we grow, we don't have time to just look around and kind of complain. But instead, we're focused on the one thing that matters. And what is that? It's the mission of Jesus. It's what Jesus told those disciples. Go make disciples of all nations. It's our mission here in New Orleans and our mission all around the world. That's what matters. And so continue to grow and you will be effective in your faith. And then this, as we begin to close, when we grow, we confirm the good work that God began in us. Has God begun a good work in you? Has God begun a good work in your family? Has God begun a good work in your job? Philippians 1.6 says this, "...being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus." Isn't that a great promise? "...he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion." in the day of Christ Jesus. It's progress, not perfection. We're never going to arrive there, but we can grow. We can get better. We can learn. We can be more fruitful. We can be more effective in our faith. And what he talks about at the end here is when we have doubts in our faith, what do we do? And a lot of people have doubts in their faith. And Peter says, make sure that you're always thinking and you're always committing to think about God calling you and choosing you in your faith. And I think the best way to combat doubt in our lives is to strive to grow, strive to see God move, strive to see God change our family and our heart and our life. And it combats the doubts that that some of us feel today our big idea, our life lesson is this. We bloom when we consistently seek to look more like Jesus. Do you want to look more like Jesus? Is that the cry of your heart? Is that what you're passionate about? Is that what you give your best to? I pray that it will be so in your life. One day, I want you to look back on your life. And I want you to look back on a life well lived, Where all throughout it, Jesus is woven through it. Where all throughout it, in circumstances that while you were in them, you didn't understand, you didn't know what was going on. But you see, because you were committed to grow, God was there all along. That's what I want to see. I want you to look back one day, and I want you to see that. That God's been growing you, and changing you, and shaping you, and moving you. But here's where it starts for each one of us that we would commit and we would say, God, I want to grow. God, I don't want to stay the same. I want you to change me. I want you to make me better. I know you can. And when we do that, over the long run, we'll see a life well lived for Jesus. We'll see people saved and baptized. We'll see people changed forever. We'll see things in our family that get broken forever when we choose to say, God, I want to grow and I want to commit to you. So I want us to spend a moment of prayer. A moment of prayer where we ask God to do that and right now all across this room, I challenge you, pray and maybe there's someone in here who would say, I haven't been growing in my faith. I haven't committed to bloom. Remember, God wants to change your heart before he changes your actions. And this is an opportunity for you to say, God, I want to grow. And So I want to give you a moment to do that all across this room. God, we thank you so much that you sent Jesus to die for us. And God, we thank you so much that you aren't finished with us yet. You have a plan. You have a purpose for us. You have a will for our lives. And I pray for each person in this room and each person online that we would commit that we want to grow in you. And then that would begin right now. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for all you've done for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.